been very privileged to have a good friend of mine who I've known a long time, uh, Ben Farah, as the first. Uh, this is going to be a, a cracking little episode, I think. I think this is a story you're going to want to hear and one you're going to want to listen to. Uh, Benny's reached the top of professional sport. He's a, he's a business owner, great family man. But with all these other things, you know, there's always a story to tell of the ups and downs, things that come with it. So, Benny, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Appreciate it. I know you're a busy man, but um, yeah, mate. Tell us a little bit a little bit about your story, mate. Obviously, you know, you reached the top in sport. Um, probably one of the most driven, dedicated professional blokes I ever came across. Always knew what to eat. Always knew how to prepare. How do you think you're going now, mate? You know, you've you've had your career in sport. What's what's life like now for Benny? Yeah. Uh... It's been a real rollercoaster, Pato. Um, you've known me for a long time, mate. And um, and first and foremost, it is an honor, mate, to, to chat to you on this forum. So we've uh, we've gone through it all together, mate. And to see you doing this now is you know, it's pretty special. So, but um, but yeah. So I uh, yeah, I, I was a professional athlete for ten years, um, as you know, mate. So I mean, a lot of my success come from a willingness to work harder than most people. Um, I was never a superstar. You know, I look at, at the athlete I was <clears throat> um, and to be fortunate enough to play with the players I did and have the career I did, I, I was really lucky. And some people say, oh, you know, that's a really humble thing to say. It's just honest. You know, I wasn't a superstar. I really wasn't. I just worked hard. I had a little bit of talent, a little bit of skill, but um, I just wanted to outwork people, you know, and if I was told to, get up at 7am and go and run hills. I'd not only get up at 7am, I'd get up at 6.30, I'd run there. I'd do a workout before I did the hills and then I'd run home. So, you know, I, I, I had a drive and a willingness to work hard from a pretty young age. And, and that I think is a real characteristic, a trait that was developed in me from a young age. And um, what I know now about the issues that I have had later in life, um, I've got no doubt that that what may be really successful at one thing drove a lot of my my destructive behaviours later in life, mate. So, um, so life for me at the moment is I'm really really grateful. Uh, I've been from the penthouse to the shit house and back, um, but you know what? I'm still here, and I'm really really lucky to have the brothers like yourself to to stand by me, pick me up when I've needed to and a loving, supportive family and um, and a second chance to to tell my story. You know, that's the biggest thing. That's the next phase of my life now is to is to help out people like I was 15 years ago um, or people, you know, in really similar positions that I was very, very recently um, in active addiction um, to help them out of it, you know, to, to, to make them aware of, there is a better life ahead of them if they want. You touched on you had that hard worker attitude and mentality from a young age. Where do you think that come from, mate? Like where, you know, we talk a lot about nature versus nurture and, you know, some people are born with it, some people evolve into it. Where, where do you think your hardworking yeah. attitude came from? Um, so my, my mom's one of 10. Um, so her family naturally by logistics of it all her parents were really hard workers you know her, her old man was uh was a doctor god love him um her mother <clears throat> so my my grandma 
uh, raised 10 kids. So, yeah, the, from, from a very young age, hereditary, you know, from my mum's side anyway, they, they were quite good at sport. My cousin played for the Wallabies. Um, I've got a lot of cousins who play, play different levels of sport and they're all pretty successful. But all really driven people. They're all, you know, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're all this, all these amazing, amazing jobs, man. They're all really driven people. And, you know, yes, there's an element of, of you know, um, of they're smart and, you know, they you know, they've all this stuff. But the bottom, the bottom part of it, man, the, the crux of it all is that they worked hard for it. You know, so that that from my mum's side especially is is something that's been instilled in me. But also my dad's. My dad's a, he's a farm boy. Um, my family's from the country. Um, my uncle and my dad's side played for Australia, and and um, they're farmers. They're they're hard workers too. So you know, my dad, you know him well. He's a um, big Johnny Farrell. <laughs> He's, um, you know, he, he's, he's this sort of bloke. I, I can't see him retiring. I really can't. I was talking to someone the other day. You know, he's, he's, um, it's just instilled in him, you know, and, um, and, and I, I, I had them traits, but because I, I sort of, um, what do I, how do I say it? I, I, I wasn't bad at school, but if I didn't like the subject, or if I wasn't interested in it, I just wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, I wasn't for me. I was good at English. I was good at PE, and um, that's one. That's one better. That's one more than I was yeah, good at, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't yeah, English. It. Yeah. <laughs> so that um, so that that basically that drove um, drove me to you know, to to really putting my effort into what I really like. So, um, English was a big thing, as I said. PE was another big thing. You know, I started to realise around middle school that I had a little bit of talent in sport, but I, I, as I said, I was no superstar. Um, I just worked hard. I was around, you know, we grew up together, as you know, and the viewers probably probably know too, but um, we had a really close friendship with a lot of guys who were really successful at sport. We all drove each other. We had a really cool yeah. little group, um, all very successful. You know, the list goes on. Scott Jarrett, Jared Mullen, myself, um, you know, there's a lot of guys who really kick goals. Um, so, you know, you're in that environment where you're pushing each other um you know you did something well i'd want to do it well too so you know naturally as you go through you you develop a, a healthy competition um so i guess probably yeah it, it was probably it was probably ingrained in me but it was also pretty developed Pato, i reckon mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean as we as we mentioned before sort of um you know, i went i went straight from school to, to having a crack in sydney at a part-time opportunity to play sport. Um, my mother was a big believer in that, um, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So she pushed me to go to, to one to one club in particular, Parramatta in Sydney, because they offered me a traineeship in uh, sport and recreation. So I went and worked as a as a um, NRO officer, sort of game development sort of um, position in Sydney and Parramatta at, at Westfield, um, sorry, Fairfield Patrician Brothers. And worked there and then sort of got my opportunity up in Townsville. And um, and the rest is history, man. I went on to do some pretty cool stuff. But um, yeah, that's what that's what drove me. That that I think that in, it was instilled in me from a young age. I was biologically, I was born with them genes. Mix that with a little bit of um, you know, environmental factor and, and hard work and that's sort of what you got. So, so you left home at 19. Um, bit, big, bit younger. big city, uh, 17, 18. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah left uh, home. Seven, what I, yeah, when I 18. Yeah. 18. So left home on the train down to Sydney, pack your bags. How was that for you, mate? You know, we've had, I did a similar thing. How, how did you find yeah. it? Well, number one, I, uh, I was on the train. I wasn't driving. And as you know, with my driving expertise, it was probably pretty safe. The worst driver I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be in a car um, so, with this bloke when he's driving. Nah, but no, nah, nah, that's right. Not, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it really instilled a, um, a humbleness and, a, and, a, and a, I guess in some ways a... Um, you know, a, a bit of a me against the world sort of attitude because, you know, I do remember mum vividly, we were talking about the other day, you know, she used to drop me a Cardiff train station. Mm. Each, each fortnight I used to come home, I lived with a Horro family, a beautiful um, family in Sydney, Justin, the son, still good mates with him and the Maori family who really successful, done done it for a lot of lot of young players. Um, Jared Hayne, Monks, Christian, they knew a lot of guys who have really kicked on. And I lived down there with them guys. And, and so mum put me on a train on the weekend. Basically, I'd go down there, live there during the week. And then whenever I could, I was still 17. So I'd come home. Um, you know, I lived with them, trained. It just gave you basically an introduction to, to what high-level sport is. So you get up, you get up early. For me at that time, that was 5 o'clock. You'd go train. You'd get, you know, you'd, um, you'd go to work for the day. And then you do it all again. And... Um, and so that was, for me, I still look back on them years and, and that really, uh, for as hard as it was, that, that instilled basically what it takes to get to the top in terms of um, gratitude, a lot of things that, you know, a big big drivers in terms of uh, what, what we're both about, about now, you know, that, that's, that's that, um, that stuff that gets it in, in, in sort of entrenching at a young age and, and you remember, so... Yeah, they were lonely trips at times, but, you know, they were, they were well worth it. So. Yeah, I mean, I sort of look back on where I was at around the same age, moving from Perth to, to Newcastle, 16-year-old, yeah. yeah. lived with the Mullen family, very fortunate to live with a family like that, as you were with the Horros. I, I still look back and I reminisce about how fucking hard it was. Like... When you think what we've had to put our bodies through, what we've had to put our minds through, yeah. what we've had to put our spirits through, it's an amazing accomplishment. And since I've retired, one of the biggest things I've found is not valuing my value and not valuing those hardships. A lot of athletes, when we retire, it's like, I haven't done a trade. I haven't got a degree. What the fuck is next for me? Like, honestly, what do I do now? When yeah. you're 21, you might do a PE, a PT course. When you're 34, I don't want to be a PT. Or <laughs> you're 22 and you do a real estate course because it's paid for by the club. I don't want to sell houses. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck do I do now? So fast forwarding through your career, you played all throughout Australia. You played in France. You played in England. Did you ever have any plans in the back of your mind about what you wanted to do post footy? Because... We like to think, well, I certainly do. I like to think I have my shit mm. together. I had no idea what was coming for me. When you retire, <laughs> fuck, man, and yeah. I thought I had my shit together. When you retire, yeah. man, you're like straight away from the moment of that last game, you straight away, you lose 25, 30 mates. Not not through anything else, but you're just not in the locker room every day. You're not like every mm. single day, bro, you do the same. Every single day, you'd laugh. Mm. 
no matter how hard training was, how shit it was, you'd yeah. laugh at some point during the day. So 25, yeah. 30 mates automatically cut off. Your income generally takes a big hit. You go from good money to, fuck, I'm digging holes now to try and catch up because I've got used to a certain lifestyle. You lose yourself a bit of self-identity. You're like Benny Farrow, the footy player. Well, who the fuck am I now? What do I do? Uh, like, how did you find all this, mate? Because like I said, I thought I had my shit together and I had some dark times. How did you mm. find that transition from professional sport mm. to <laughs> quote unquote normal life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll get to that. Mate. We'll get to that in a bit, I guess. But, yeah, <laughs> probably not great. Um, but this is why we're here, mate, sharing our stories. Yeah, bro. hundred percent. hundred percent. And, and I guess probably you nailed it, mate, because, you know, they are, they do, they do warn you, but, realistically i think they can do a lot better job i think we all agree with that you know um at the end of the day you're talking to a bunch of a bunch of guys who they're warriors they go out there they put their body on the line they're fucking they play injured you know showing any sign of weakness is is not acceptable man you know and then in the same breath you're trying to tell them to look past the next week realistically i never signed more than a year contract so I was always every single session, and that's not for everyone, but every most people I was very run the mill. So if you can imagine, most sporting clubs are made up of your top guys, your bottom guys, and your middle tier. I was very middle tier. So you're talking a a person who majority of people in the NRL are exactly the same type of player. They won one one year contracts, two year contracts at the most. So they're fighting for tooth and nail. They're not worried about fucking three years down the track, they're worrying about the next training session. You know what I mean? So yeah. in one in one way, in one way you're trying to tell them to plan for the future, all they are looking at is their paycheck and looking at their next contract. As I can tell you right now, PT don't pay what an NRL player does. So why worry about that when you've got the opportunity to actually make the most of it now? It's easy to say now in hindsight, isn't it? Well, we all know, yeah. but you know, we've all sat in meetings where basically someone comes in in a suit and we're talking about it today, we're having a laugh about it because yeah. they'll hand out the cards and we all walk out and there's 30 cards sitting on the seat. You know, so it's really it's, it's really hard to get that to get that message through. And you know, the old saying goes, you know, I guess probably you you would change things if you if you see, you know, down in the future how it all turns out. But the biggest thing I found, man, was um, well, I had a bit of a passion for things. I really enjoyed my training and um, the PT type of stuff. And, and that naturally, because I was sort of a year-to-year proposition, I, I actually was quite lucky in that I did a little bit of study and I had some really good mentors, Donnie Stinge and a few guys at Manly at the time, and, and they sort of pushed me in that direction um, of trying to help me out in that sort of stuff. So I had some really good mentors, really lucky reconnected with him. And um, recently actually he's amazing. And, um, and the thing with it is I was lucky that I sort of, sort of knew, but in saying that too, I was not, I was not prepared for actually how it all ends. And, and, and that miss, you know, that building yourself up each week, as I said before, you're that warrior mentality of, you know, you train your ass off. You've got a goal at the end of the week. You're something attainable. It's a game. You play. Mm-hmm. You play. You train all week you, for a game. When that gets taken away, yeah, you might have your routine. 
you know, they all talk about your routine in terms of your work week or all that sort of stuff. But what, what's your purpose on the weekend? When you don't have that nothing to go for, what do you strive for? Well, I'll tell you what I strive for. I strive for alcohol, drugs, gambling, all the stuff that wrecks your life. And, um, you know, if I could, word of warning for any young kid coming through the game right now, all that sort of stuff is on every single street corner. You've got a bottle shop on every street corner. You've got gambling ads on every single TV ad, TV channel going around. You know, drugs is in society, let's be perfectly honest, is everywhere. It is yeah. everywhere, man. You know, so this stuff is not going away. And this stuff is not just athletes. You know, this this wrecks lives. And, and, Society and, and like I'm living, breathing, breathing. You know, and 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 let's be honest, when you're when you're an athlete and you're used to running in a brick walls, because realistically, as we talk about, that's what it is. Yeah. You know, you've got to be a little bit crazy, and you've got to learn things sometimes the hard way. It takes you a few times to realise, you know. And um, and you know, I think, you know, I I just think there needs to be more education, needs to be more real life experience and and stories about two different roads. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Um, you know, not everyone's going to get it right, man. As we know, there's always going to be an outlier or people that, you know, make, make poor decisions and that sort of stuff. That's just life. But I think, you know, I think we can do it better. I really do. It goes back to that point of the locker room is such a sacred place. It's a very weird place, but it's sacred. (laughs) (laughs) It can be very weird, but that's what makes it so special. You know, there's 25, 30 guys in there that literally will bust their backside to support and help the boat next to them and running that brick wall with you. And for an outsider to come in and for the boys to listen and really listen and take it on, there has to be trust. There has to be someone that's walked the miles, has lived and breathed it, knows the pressures, knows the expectations, knows the highs and lows. And I don't think there's enough of them across all sports. There's, There's a lot of Good, good people trying their best. Let's not let's yeah. not neglect that. There's a lot of good people trying their best, yeah. but there's not enough real world cases. I don't feel, and it's like if there's more of the people that have done it straight away, there's a rapport, and there's mm. fuck. This guy's actually lived and breathed it. I'm going to listen to him. Whether or not they take it on board is up to them, but at yeah. least you'll get their attention. Mm. Uh, as athletes, we're, we're quite selfish. We don't like to admit it. We don't like to admit it, but we're quite selfish, you know. We have to eat this. We have to be at this time. I can't go see my family because I've got training or I can't do this because I've got a game or, you know, I can't remember how many weddings I've missed because of training or playing. We are quite selfish. Yeah. We don't realise it, though, because we also only have a short window to make, make our career worthwhile financially, professionally, all these things. So it's like, fuck, let's go hard for 10 years. I'll pick up the pieces mm. when it's done. <laughs> I've got 10 years to fucking rip in, yeah. make money, and it, and achieve everything I can in a game, and I'll deal with this shit yep. later. I used to feel yeah. like the biggest hypocrite. I used to feel like the biggest hypocrite. I go to schools, see kids and that, and they're like, well, what do you want to be? And they're like, I want to be a footy player. Great. Stay in school. Get an education. In the back of my head, mm. I had fucking zero. I was all eggs, that basket. If I don't make it, I'll join the army or do something fucking crazy. Uh, but that's I the addictive personality. So. As athletes, we have this addiction, addictive personality where it's all or nothing. And because if you go out and play and you're not all or nothing, you get hurt. 
you get can get yeah, seriously right. hurt. Exactly, yeah, you can literally break bones, hurt everything physically, but mentally, if you're not in it, you'll get found out, and then you're getting ripped in video the next day. The fans are mm. giving it to you, so you have to be all or nothing. Mm. Now that's a that's a dangerous double edged sword, because if we're not prepared as best we can for after it or even during it. That addictive personality can quite easily spill over to bad things or things that aren't healthy for us. And, and mate, your story is one of hundreds. Mm. You know, it's actually, it's so common and so pre prevalent that a lot yeah. of people aren't man enough like yourself. Well, not man enough, that's pretty harsh, but a lot of people aren't open and honest with themselves to share their story for, mm. through whatever reason. If they want to keep it private, that's absolutely fine. But I just want to give mad love and respect to you for sharing your story because when one te when one teacher to learn, so hopefully through this, you and I having a chat, one person, two people hear this, then they'll pass it on to their friends or family. They'll pass it on to the next. And mm -hmm. it's that network effect of trying to help people because that's what we're here to do at the end of the day, yeah. man. That's why we're, yeah, we're yarning and yarn. So sure, you've had a great career. You've got your shit together, ready to go, ready to change. Ready to go into the real world, open up a gym, everything's going good. Everything's going good. So what was the next step? Like how you briefly touched on the addiction and things like that. How do you think you how do you think you you stumbled upon it? Because it's not just an overnight thing. You don't just become an addict. Nah. You don't just become recovered in like that. Yeah. Where do you think the signs started with you, Bob? Because you're a strong man, you're a super strong, disciplined mm. man. And if anyone was going to go down this path, you'd probably be the last person I'd, I'd think of. Yeah. yeah but in 100%. saying that, it doesn't discriminate. And I think that's a great message that mental health addiction does not discriminate. So it does not matter at Yeah, if you're open to share like the signs you started to see and, and yeah, yeah, trials and tribulations man. and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and I think that's the thing, Pato, you know, like, People are willing to be open, but are they really? You know, mm. and I think, I think that's where I really found um, freedom and and some self love and respect yeah, for myself. I think, yeah, you know? I feel like you're a lot more at peace with yourself now, owning yeah. owning your shit. You know, you're not carrying yeah. a burden around yeah. of what people think, and nah. you're owning it, man. And that's that's a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, yeah. it's not easy. It's not fucking easy. No, no, no. It's not easy, man. And 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 to be perfectly honest, it's not for everyone. Some people may hear, hear the honesty and, um, you know, it, it, might, it might bring up some stuff for them, you know, and, and I'm sure it probably does, you know. At, at the end of the day, I'm doing this for me and to keep me well, but also if, if there's one person that listens to me and you have a chat about this, get something out of it and goes, you know what, I've got the balls here. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to take the mask off too. And they might, and they, they don't need to be on an open forum and do no. it, man. You know, it might be something as simple as talking to their partner or their wife or their dad or their mom. It might even just and, be to um, themselves. Might even be just to themselves. To themselves, man. You know what? That's what that's what it is. That's what it is. Because for a long time, I couldn't do it. I couldn't look yeah. myself in the in the mirror and to, and and tell myself that. And 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 that's the thing. That's what I had to get to. I had to get to that real honesty, that real raw point of why i was doing what i was doing because it's painful it was wreck it was wrecking my life man. It, mm. like I, I i i so i went straight from retiring to 
to going into business. I wasn't a businessman. I was a footballer who had a little bit of money who opened a gym. Your typical, yeah. like, fucking no idea. <laughs> so we, ju- we jumped into it. And, and me and my brother and cousin, we're, we're from Newcastle, as you know. You spent a lot of time there, but it's not a big place. And I would like to think that we had a little bit of respect, respect around town and people come and support us. And we did, we did pretty good. We opened a gym and we, we did pretty good. So I was, I was sort of manager, owner at the time. Obviously, I was, I was well, not obviously, I haven't said that yet, but I was married to a, to a beautiful girl at the time. She was obviously part owner of it too. Um, and so I was the face of it. I was there every day. I was, I was lead training, all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, and, and we'll talk about it the other day, man. It's so true. Everyone judges how well someone's doing by their physical appearance. So, you know, I was, I was fit. I looked good. I looked all right. You know, I was, I was, I was doing the sessions. I was, I was able to talk. I was what they call functioning. I guess you'd call it inside. I was a fucking mess. I was a mess. Couldn't look at myself. My day consisted of going to work, coming home basically at the time I was married at the time. Um, and for, for whatever reason, you know, I, I won't, I won't bring her into this because I think it's unfair, but basically what I'm trying to say is, where it broke down was me. That was a common denominator in a lot of it, man. And um, and and so my my bad habits, my addiction, so it came in probably to the end la end of my career. I yep. guess I, I guess you call it. It started. It actually started with prescription type drugs. Um, I was injured a lot with my knees, and um, a lot of it was to do with pain, sleeping, and all that sort of stuff. And as you know, man, with me, it's always been, as I said before, in the start of the show, like zero to hundred. I go out for one beer, I end up three days later, I'll see you Monday. You know, it's not go, it's not go, it's not go out for two, one, two beers. So if you can imagine that that mindset of what I had to do. That addictive personality. Exactly, man. Exactly. You know, exactly. And so um you know, that translated at the end of my career when I had no responsibilities, you know, I wasn't governed by, had to be here, had to be there. I was my own boss. I was running my no own, drug testing. You know, the gym. Exactly, man. You yeah. know, if you're in the position where, um, if you're in the position where you get some leeway like that and you're my personality and you're in a, and you're in a position where you don't know what your purpose is, you've got no drive anymore, you're trying to chase the high that never exists because that football's gone. There's no sport. Now, what am I actually doing in my life? That's what you chase. You either chase gambling, drugs, alcohol, women, whatever else. And that's what it was, man. That That's for a long time, it was a, just a cyclical nature. And yeah. at times I would come good. I would come good for a little bit of time. I'd go to, I've, I've, this is my third crack at recovery just recently. Um, my first two, I was there for the wrong reasons. You know, I went in for the wrong reasons. Um, thought I could pick up again, thought I could to moderate it, whatever that is. At the end of the what? day, when you're my nature and, and, and you've been to where I am, I'm not saying everyone with that sort of habit can never touch it again, but I know now that gambling, alcohol, substance, any of that. For me, my makeup now, I've really had to look deep within myself. I just can't do it, man. You know, that's – and my life is so much, so much better with that. You know, and, and I've got people back in my life. I've got opportunities again. 
just from having to look at myself in the mirror, like we spoke about, get real, get humble, get honest, and just make some decisions that, you know, are lasting me, you know, and, um, and it's taken me a while, you know, it's, I think that whole mask of going from professional sport, that warrior mentality, that shut up, just do your job, have the mask on, all that sort of stuff, then translating that into owning the gym, Exactly the same mentality. Oh, he's fit. He's okay. He looks healthy, all that sort of stuff. Got to look after you. Got to look after your emotional state, your mental state, and connect with something spiritually. And for a long time, I never was. Spiritually for me was work hard during the week, lose me shit in the weekend. Come good Wednesday, work for the rest of the week, lose me shit in the weekend. And that, that as sad as it sounds, was the cycle for five years. And I looked myself in the mirror probably four or five months ago now, and just went, where has that gone? Who are you? You know, and 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 yeah, it gets sort of gets me emotional talking about it, man. But like it, this stuff ruins lives, you know. Mm. And I've just been really lucky that I come to and and I've got the opportunity now to share my story. And as we said before, be as open and honest as I can, because I guarantee you, addiction and people in that space. It is really, really hard to take that mask off. And if I can make that seem not as hard and as possible to get yourself out of them places and make a change and make your life better, get the people back in your life that support you and love you and do good for yourself. You know, I was lucky that I never had kids um, in some ways, you know, because I don't even know if that would have stopped me when I was at my worst. I really don't, you know, and, and, you know, the amount of people, even since I've started to come forward a little bit with everything in terms of reached out for their brother, their cousin, and they know someone who wants, needs a bit of help, doesn't have, you know, doesn't have that ability to reach out, you know, for whatever reason. And it's not just athletes, it's any, anyone, man. It's just, it's natural, as we were talking before. There's so, it's, all these vices are everywhere, you know, and, and so, yeah. You mentioned that. This recent one is your third third stint at rehab, and the first two you went for the wrong reasons. Can you share the reasons why you went for the first two? Yeah, um, the first the first one, and and I'll probably I'll I'll probably leave it leave it pretty pretty blankly, but um, it's to save my marriage. Yep. you know, it's to save my marriage. My 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 lovely wife at the time, and she's a beautiful girl. She's been so supportive, and um. Yeah, it just crushes me to think the person I was to her and, and how that ended. Um, and it was basically to to try to try and get that back. And the thing with it is, bro, is that you can put on a front, you can go and make out like you're doing it, all the good things and that sort of thing. But if you're not changing for the right reasons or changing actually, and it's going to be permanent, and you're doing it for the you know for actually to better yourself, not for someone else or not to impress someone else, you go back to the same default patterns. And that's what I did. And so the second time I went in there with the opinion, and yeah, I've got a bit of an issue, but most late 20-year-old blokes, you know, they like a drink, they like a bit of a punt, they like to do whatever else. You know, you make every excuse on the sun. Yeah. You know, like, leave it at Validate the door, it all. man. And, oh, hey. Just to just to just to suit yourself, you know, and that's what I did. I honestly yeah. did that for did that for probably two years, and just thought, oh, I can, you know, I'm okay. I can have a have a drink or whatever, you know, every now and then, 
and just fuck on it, man. Mm. No. <laughs> some can, some can't. I can't, yeah. you know, and that's simple. And 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 now it's just, I just have a go, you know. It's just I'm done with it, man. And people, people in the recovery space, a lot of them will tell you it does take time at times, you know. I remember the first time I was sitting in a rehab in Sydney and um, an old fellow was in the army and he come and sat next to me and he said to me, um, we're talking about recovery and that and um, pretty similar, like military people and, and athletes are really similar, bro, as you would know with your, with your family anyway. Um, yeah. yeah, he was telling me, he was like, um, he said, you know, you probably won't get it this time. And I'm like, whatever, like who's the fuck's this guy? You know, you got no idea who I am. Like, you yeah. got no idea my mentality. I'll prove this way wrong, you know. Lo and behold, third time lucky, you know. And and one thing I just take out of that, man, is that, and it's going back to how we grew up. And, mm. like, people people with that attitude of, it doesn't work, try again. Yeah. It doesn't work, try again. It doesn't work, change something and try again, you know. And, and that mentality of, it's not all lost. It's never, ever lost, man. You can always, you're never too old or never too far gone to make a change and better your life, man. And um, and to be honest, that doggedness, that determination that, you know, my old girl put me on a train when I was 17-year-old going down to Parramatta. For a long time, I didn't direct that in the right way. And, and, mm. and now that purpose in my life, that second chance I've got, I'm going to use that that same thing that got me to the top in a lot of ways to change my life and hopefully change other people's lives. You know, and that, that for me means everything. Yeah, mate. I think from what I can hear, the third time was just the fully acceptance of the, the challenges you're going through. You weren't doing it for an external validation to save anything, anything like that. You're just like, fuck, I'm earning my shit. I've got a problem here. I need to fix it. And, you know, the masculine, you know, you're a very masculine man and the masculine energy is driven by challenge. And and the yeah. challenge you put on yourself now is like, fuck, this is, this is me. And, you know, life happens for us, not to us. Everything in our life mm. happens for us, not to us. You know, we can play mm. the, the victim or the victor. And as soon as you own your shit, you value your value, you can play the victor. And now what I can see through this, mate, is I've known you a long time and the, the passion, the purpose, the emotion in your voice is mm. you're going you're gonna to help a fuckload of people. Whether you know it or you realise it, it it's, it's irrelevant, you know. Mm. I was just yarning like this. It's, it's helping me get more of an understanding of, of your story. So if I talk to more people, I can then look back on, oh, Benny, he had a similar thing, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I've been around addiction a long time. You know, my, my, my father, you know, military man, yep. struggled with addiction and alcoholism from ever since I, you know, can remember. And I think that was a, I sort of went the, the opposite way. I was terrified of addiction because I know what mm. the life of an addict is. I know what the family goes through. I was terrified of, of drugs and alcohol. Like, I'd be so banged up, I'd have surgeries and I wouldn't want even, you know, a paracetamol. Because I'd be yeah, like, fuck, yeah. I, could, I could get hooked on it. Yeah. No, I went yeah. the whole opposite end of it because I was terrified. Yeah. Now, yeah. there's still times in my life now where I'm like, I'll have a beer and I'm like, geez, that tastes good. I could have another one. And, and they're, they're like, nah, nah. Yeah. <laughs> for for me, you, the motivation, yeah. the, for me, the motivation to not get into it is, is, is fear. Mm. 
do you feel that fear fear plays a part in your motivation now, or it's it's literally your you've had enough pain, you've had enough fucking pain in your life now that you're motivated mm. towards pleasure and accessing mm. all that pleasure you can because mm. the five years you've missed out on, you said to yourself like, where the fuck is that gone? So there's a, mm. there's so much built up pain that now yeah. that the the, the future is looking so good for you, man, it's like yeah. you've got a beautiful concoction of motivation now, and mm. sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to realize mm. fuck. I don't want to be there I anymore. Tr- yeah, I truly believe that, man. I, I think I, I think change for as hard as it is, and, and let's be honest, any change in your life, whether you, so, I relate this, I relate this to just say training. Okay, so if you're if you're training, just say a, a bicep. If you're doing the same stuff all the time, you're not stressing it. You're not actually making a change. It won't. It'll stay no. where it is. It'll stay where it is because it's comfortable and and. and Change by nature is a really hard thing in any walk aspect of life. So a fit, the fear of, of taking a step and actually making a change is absolutely that drives me. It's like between before a big game, an athlete, you know, they get nervous. Mm. And a lot of people shy away from that. One of my first ever coaches, man, um, I won't mention him, but is an amazing coach, very, very successful. And he said, embrace the fear he said because mm-hmm. it actually means you give a fuck yeah. and he said that's that's basically your senses your human that fight or flight that coming up coming it's a primal instinct man and yeah. it means something to you you know and 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 that fear now of me going back to where it was i embrace that yeah because that to me shows i give a fuck and i don't want to go back to where i was you know and it's got to mean something to you that accountability of you know, for instance, I've got something recently, it, like it's a date. It's a date. And and, and for me, that date rep- represents my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. So it's in a place where I can see it. And to most people, it would mean nothing. But when I look at it, it brings me, it's a vivid memory. It's a memory that takes me back to a feeling, a place that I never, ever want to get to. And it's an automatic primal feeling that if there's ever a choice of, that path, that path, all I've got to do is look at it because mm-hmm. I know where that leads to, man, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, it's fucking destruction. It's another year on the roller coaster. It's losing all the opportunities I've got. It's losing the family. It's doing my dash with everything, you know? And and I think that's what a lot of people can relate things to is that, as we said before, it's got to mean something to you, you know, like me and you sitting here and saying, oh, you know, you gotta, you got to go and do this. You know, you've got to do go and do that, or you've got to stop doing this or that. It's all these words, man. You gotta you gotta relate it to what it's all contextual. So, you know, losing 10 kilos or or starting a new job for someone, you know, that might be a goal, but actually when it drives you every single part of your being, that's when you're actually gonna get up and do it. You've got to be fearful of something. And for me, that's I don't want to go back there. I'm not gonna go back there. You know, yeah. and and I know that for a fact, man. And um, and so I, I embrace that fear, as we as we spoke about before. You know, I use that that feeling in your stomach, that new feeling. You know, is always a first. And you know, your first Exciting, game, man. your first your first boxing fight, pattern, You know, your first <laughs> everything, right? It's that it's that it's that feeling of butterflies again, man. And um, and you know, I think I think it's really important to embrace that. Find that again. You know, for a long mm. time I didn't have that. I just went through the motions and 
every day rolled into the other and I couldn't tell you what day it was really. I felt mm. like shit, you know. All I was doing was hanging for the weekend and doing the same shit, you know. <laughs> and yeah, before you know it, you know, you're um you're looking back, you know. Imagine if I kept doing the same thing. It wasn't long, man. I, I would have been that that silly old drunk in the pub telling stories of fucking these four mates that could have been, would have been, should have been, you know. Mm. That was me. That would have been me, man. You know, well, worse, you mate. Know. Could have been. You could have been dead. Could have been dead. That's what it is, man. It's. It's. You know, this is no if you, joke. You're, you're playing with fire no with that stuff. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. It's it's destructive, like you said, and it, and it, yeah. it it does not discriminate. You know, does think, not, man, at all. At all. I think one of the, one of the big things I've learned now is is getting comfortable being uncomfortable, and facing addiction head on, and owning your shit is uncomfortable. It's painful, but the more you can get comfortable with it, be comfortable with, yes, I've made mistakes. Yes, I'm still growing as a man. To my core, I'm still a great man. I'm a great Mm -hmm. brother. I'm a great friend, great son. Those things haven't left you. Those those amazing attributes haven't left you. Mm -hmm. They've just been pushed down by external influences through whatever sources, Mm -hmm. you know. But I think the, the, the moral of the story is, I feel for this, is that we never really lose who we are. We just get that mask on. And and the mask is just a, a shield or it's a defense mechanism. You know, it's literally a defense mechanism. You know, we have these, we put these masks on when we play, these warrior masks. We put these, you know, I'm the probably the softest bloke you'll meet, but I had to be a warrior every weekend. Uh, yeah. When I was boxing, I had to be a warrior. But then yeah. I'd come home to kids and, and play with them and, and back to me. You are the same. Like you'd, you'd get, you're a quiet, polite, spoken, hardworking man, but then you'd go out mm. and try and bash some bloke on the footy field. Mm. The same thing with addiction. That's not really you. That's mm. just a mask, and it's just a defense mechanism to try and, you know, function. And it's hard to function in society when you're used to a certain way for a long time, and there's no real help, there's no real guidance. You know, literally, as soon as you leave the game. You're on your own. Do your best, champ. Thanks for your service. There's a 20, 20 year old kid now coming on who's bigger, faster, stronger, more skillful. Thanks for your service. You, <laughs> Not even that. <laughs> you're spot on. Hey, if that, if that. It's, you're so spot on, man. Like someone who's not, doesn't know who they are or there's no purpose to them, um, they'll distract themselves with with trying to find a pleasure. And, mm. and usually them pleasures are the things that, you know, wreck lives, drugs, alcohol, um, women, you know sex whatever um because you're looking for something external to fill that gap that you don't have mm-hmm. you know like when i was when i was in the last one a, a fellow that a counselor he's been there for years i'm talking like 13 years to clean absolute like amazing guy um and he said like addiction is a disease but it's actually a dis-ease with with yourself you're trying yeah. to change a state of where you are so for me i was always trying to find that high because that's what I was used to in sport or because I was injured a lot or I'm quite a naturally shy person my tendency to not talk and be a recluse and keep things in I would naturally feel down quite a lot so I'd be trying to find this even keel man of trying to either bring myself up or when I was high when I I was high on life trying to get higher Really, yeah. you know, I was trying to find that. So, so normal life for me didn't exist. 
There was no normal. If I was normal, I was like, what the fuck's wrong? Like, yeah. I, can't, I can't handle this. What's going on? Um, and, you know, look, just going back to what we said before, like, you know, your, your history too and, and, you know, what you're born into in terms of just having gratitude for the small things and stuff too. Like, the last place I was in without sort of, you know, tell, telling stories about people who aren't here or, you know, privacy and that sort of thing. Like, some people, man, are born with nothing. Like mm-hmm. absolutely no chance. Literally, their parents have needles sticking out their arms. They're born into, you know, like some of the stories, guys looking after their, their brothers, sisters, whatever, from the age of 10, like the whole whole, whole box and dice. Mm. When I looked at myself, I was, I was from a good family in Newcastle. Mum, dad, brother, sister, auntie, uncles, all that. And somewhere along the line, man, is the things that, make you selfish as we said before being an athlete you know um, running a gym you know all this sort of stuff it makes you really self-centered man and you lose Mm. sight of actually what life is about and and so with that comes a lot of um what am i trying to say like for instance that's a flower yeah it's a flower it's beautiful man but you don't give a fuck about any of that anymore you always chase chasing the Chasing yeah. the unrealistic highs, man, because like the normal stuff in life, that just doesn't do it for you anymore. No. So when you actually, when you, when you, when you bring it all back and you look at actually what you have, what you don't have, you know, you, I think that's a really big thing. You know, like we are pretty lucky living in obviously the UK, living in Australia. There is people around the world, man, like they've got nothing. You know, mm-hmm. and, and here I was complaining about the position I was in. I walked out of rehab. I still got a family that loves me. Who gave me a second chance, probably more than I ever deserved. You know, I've still got a relationship with my brother, cousin. I've still got opportunities with employment stuff. You know, that's more than most people in third world countries or around the world have, you know, have yeah. even had to start with me, you know. And, and and here I am complaining about, well, with me for the last whatever. Get over yourself, man. You know, like, <laughs> my, fucking front up. Make a decision that you're going to do good for yourself. Be honest with yourself, get raw, you know, do you want to keep doing the same shit, really? Or if it means that much here, you'll make a you'll make your way, you'll make a change. You know? And that's that's realistically what I had to do. So. Yeah, mate. It's it's down to your value system, and that's what you, you know, your three, four top highest values. And yeah. you know, it's like a bloke who wants to have a six pack, but he loves donuts. Well, he just values the taste, he just values the taste of having a donut over having a six pack. That's all hey, it is. Exactly. Yeah, that's all nothing just there's nothing. I love a donut. Yeah. That's why I don't have a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that, is it? But yeah. if it means that much, yeah, you'll do it. Like, exactly. You know, like, and if it and, and I think this now, you know, hearing more of your story and and appreciating your story a lot more is that you value your health, you value your relationships, you value ha- being you again over over any substance that can be taken and. I think that's a massive, a massive step in ownership, in accountability, mm. in all these big words that we can toss up. You know, you can toss up anything you want, but you fucking owned your shit and you realise what was important to you. You hit rock bottom and here we go, man. This is literally like, like I'm genuinely, genuinely excited to see what's next for you. And not just because you're my mate and, and, you know, I love and respect you, but I just love these, 
these stories of, like you said, penthouse to the shit house, and you know, on the way back to the penthouse, and that penthouse, you know, if it's helping people, it's being back, just being back, being you. That's the fucking yeah. penthouse, you know. And what would you say to people, mate? That I don't believe you need to hit rock bottom. I think you, you can mm. be very careful. I think you can build up enough pain and, and and fear and you know try and access as much pleasure. But what would you say to someone that you feel either within themselves or they know someone that could be on that slippery slope? Because, mm. it, like, I'll be honest, when I I left. I pretty much left you for a year. Yeah. And when you've been in rehab, because I didn't want to be that bloke. Yeah. I didn't want to be that bloke that paid lip service. I didn't want to be unauthentic and just say, "You've got this, mate. You can do it. I'm here mm-hmm. for you if you need anything." Because nothing I would have said or did yeah. was changing anything you would have done. You would have said, "Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, but I appreciate it," but it wouldn't have made a difference. You know where I was, and yeah. now now was the right time to reconnect because what yeah. we talk about um, now and the value of our conversations, the value of our friendship now is far more open and honest and, and appreciated than what it would have been six months ago. Mm. You'd have been paying What's me lip me? service. Yeah. You'd have been paying yeah. me lip service. I'd have been paying you lip service, and it wasn't authentic. So how, how do you feel that someone can approach someone or approach themselves with that authenticity of genuine, yeah. genuine care and love and mm. respect to, to, to offer a hand? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, for, for me, for me, um, for me, for me, I, I knew, I knew I had to make a change. I just wasn't willing. I didn't have the guts to do it because mm. um, I thought it was too hard. I thought it was too much work to do or I was too far gone. Um, and that mentality that has been with me my whole life in terms of headstrong um, kept me from getting well for a long time, man. I kept mm. on the same shit because I thought, well, I'm too far gone now. You know, I'm not, there's no turning back. I may as well fucking... Yeah. Mean, meanwhile, my, bro- my brother's like, you know, my best mate, yourself, and a lot of our other really good mates... I knew you guys were there, but you can only do what you can do too. And at times, what I'm trying to say is for loved ones, you've got to actually take a step back. Yeah, okay. Because you can only take them to water, man. They've got to drink for themselves, you know. And I know that's a that's a saying, but realistically, you've got to take them to a place where um, you're leading them there, but they've got to make that step. And mm-hmm. you can't make it for them because it's the same as my first two steps. You do it for the wrong reasons, you get the same result. There's more pain. The circle goes around. It's a really, really hard step. You take them to the edge, get them there, and they either look and they want to jump and make a choice or they look back and they go, you know what? I'll go back out for another couple of years. Mm. I've got another bit left in me. You know? And hopefully they don't. Yeah. Hopefully they don't, man. But, yeah. you know, you can only do what you can do. Take them, have, have that conversation, you know. Um, at the end of the day, you've, I think you just got to get real and and – and weigh up is it costing you more? What you're doing, is your life costing you more than what it's actually giving you? And for me, it was. It really, really was. You know, well and truly, well and truly. And and it's not all doom and gloom. You know, for me, one bit of advice I would is just ne- never give up on yourself, man. Yeah. Never, ever give up on yourself. And I know that's just words. That's easy to say. But 
I promise you, if there is a little bit of light that might take you fucking years to do, might take you a long time, might take you not long, you know, it might be just a drop of the coin and you're like, look, been enlightened and make a change. But there's always a chance to make a change and make a bit of a difference to your life. Man. And, um, and, you know, if I was to, to talk to anyone in terms of if they've got a loved one or a brother or a sister or a cousin or whatever, and they're going through similar stuff, you know, be them for be there for them for sure, absolutely, you know. Um, but at times you may need to watch in the distance, just sort of like yeah. cradling it, ready to go, you know. Yeah. Um, as hard as that seems, you know they got to they got to they got to make the choice for themselves, man. You know you can't. They're not going to go kicking and dragging. It's going to be for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah. You just got to. You've got to, I guess, instill that belief, that potential in that person that. Everyone's got that bit of potential. They've got that, you know, that chance to make a bit of a difference to their life. And they might not be prime minister of Australia, or they might be not, might not be, you know, whatever. But I can guarantee you, there'll be a change. There'll be if they make a change, that'll affect the next generation of their family who might might, you know, grow up with uh, with nothing. Man, and, you know, they see Uncle Jeff, who's changed his life, who. Went through this, 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 and this. We can do it. Fucking why can't I? You exactly. know. Yeah. Um, and you know, I think I think that's the biggest thing now is man is this. You know, we we've had all the material stuff, brother. We've had we you've played elite sport, man. You've done all that. Like for me, it's just leave the place in a better place, better better way than you left, man. Help people. You know, fuck. That's what it's about. You yeah. know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway. Love that man. Leave the leave it the leave it better than the way you left it, or leave it better than the yeah. way you came. I think that's yeah. The world's pretty messed up at the moment. I think we need more people to have each other's backs and look out for each other. And yeah. you know, there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation on on every one of us now in the world. Um, so yeah, man. So so what's next, Bruce? What what is next for Benny Farah? You know, you've you've come out the other side. You're fit mentally. You're fit physically fit spiritually yeah. you know you've you've got you've reconnected with loved ones you've reconnected with people that genuinely care about yeah. you you know you're back in the gym what's what's next for you man because i'm really really interested yeah. for, for me to follow yeah. you and for all these people to follow you as well yeah um but to be honest this this last recovery has changed my life and it's redirected my as i said before we touched on you know my passion in terms of what i want to do next you know to the point where I'm still in ownership of my brother and cousin, you know, I've, I've made the decision and, and with their blessing and had a chat to them, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on in the new year because for me, um, for me, I need something, I need something else. And going back to that same old, same old, not to say it would be the same story because, you know, I, it's different, it's different. But I feel like I'd be a waste going back to doing the same thing, learning and being through what I've been through. I think I've got more to offer in terms of helping people. And so for me, I'm doing a little bit of coaching uh, with the Newcastle Knights and their 21s and that sort of thing. Hopefully that develops a little bit more into a coaching role with with a little touch of welfare with it too, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think the more point of difference is obviously athletically, but the other side of things too. You know, it's like you've been to the top, but you know what the bottom looks like too. And realistically, you know, um, for everything that's good, it goes up and must come down too. And, you know, yeah. hopefully I can stop, stop blokes from going there. Um, 
so yeah, that's that's a big driver. I'm doing doing a day day and a bit um, of work at the Glen, the, the re rehab that I was at on um, yeah. the Central Coast in Australia. So that's a big big driver for me too. You know, actually going back and doing some personal training and stuff with with them guys. So, you know, I'm a big believer in obviously physical um, tying in with the mental and the spiritual. And a lot of them guys, you know, haven't had that opportunity to to get fit and, and use that as a driver, or, you know, to help them get well. So that also keeps me safe. You know, as soon as I walk walk foot in the gate, I remember where I was. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm a recovering addict. I'm not a cured addict. I'm a recovering addict. You know, I, I pick up or I do the same thing and I go back to the same place. Yeah. So I've got to be, I've got to be mindful of that, you know, there's, there's people out there in active addiction right now that um, haven't got to that place yet. Mm -hmm. um, but they will. You know, they will, and I hopefully they're still around to get themselves well um, because, you know, I, I want to help them, man. That's, that's my next step. Bro, so. No, I'd love to hear it, man. And, you know, got a great story, big heart, and I can genuinely see some some really good things coming from all this. And, you know, you look back on these those trials with joy and a big smile on your face, you know, as hard as that may be, but, you know, yeah. I think it's a, it's a massive massive learning for, for everyone involved in society, you know, you know, military athletes, whatever it is, it's, it doesn't discriminate, man. And I'm very grateful that very grateful that you, you're, you're open enough to share, share your story. And like I said, any, anyone can, anyone can get hit by this shit. And if just one person takes something out of it. We've done our job, man. And Absolutely, very grateful for the chat bar. And, and I think, um, yeah, man, we'll do it again soon. Grateful for you too, but I appreciate it. Uh, I appreciate it, bro. Look after yourself, Benny.